Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concert, all types of shows. I've been on the Game Time app the last couple of weeks. Got friends coming to New Orleans that want to go to the national championship game. They're hoping LSU is going to be in the game. And if you go online, check out their app on your phone. They've got a great seat map. It identifies each section, calls it up. will give you immediate location and price point. It's very simple to use, incredibly user-friendly. And as you can imagine, they've got a ton of tickets right now for that game, just like they have for all the concerts, top sports events, and shows across the country. Now, let me tell you something. Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make your moves quick and score last minute tickets. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat, who dat stuff? Who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's, that's our, our, our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast here with you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, if you're listening to this pod through The Athletic, we appreciate the business. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder is where you can find that podcast on our site. But many of you certainly listen to the early week edition of Duncan Holder on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can go rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell 10 friends, tell 100 friends. Uh, jump on there. And if you want to also get involved with The Athletic, we would appreciate that very much. So, and Jeff, if you go to theathletic.com slash New Orleans, there is a gigantor picture of a smiling Drew Brees, and rightfully so. Uh, arguably the best game we've seen from him uh, in his Saints career given the numbers and the situation. Uh, we're going to talk plenty about that as the Saints rough up the Colts on Monday Night Football. We'll be talking Drew Brees' record-setting performance and just him going forward, how he seems to be getting better, not worse at this rate. Also, we will discuss the addition of Janoris Jenkins, of course, the embattled cornerback from the Giants who was recently released. The Saints picked him up off of waivers, and what are the Saints going to do with him, we'll go through all of that. But, Jeff, let's just start off with the Drew Brees celebration. And I appreciate just right off the bat that it was a little bit more subdued than the one we saw last year because we could literally see this thing rotate week to week uh, depending on how long Tom Brady plays. And it's funny how on Twitter, after Drew Brees broke the all-time record for touchdown passes in a career, Tom Brady congratulated Drew Brees, but also said he's trying to come after him. So I, I like the Brees versus Brady angle that we're going to be seeing going forward uh, in the NFL. But Jeff, uh, a really historic occasion we got to see once again. We've seen so many of these 
from Drew Brees, and he's simply one of the best to ever play the position. And I I would go and bet that we never see someone like him again in a Saints uniform. I'm willing to I'm willing to go on that branch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought it was um, just a special another special night at the Superdome. You know, I don't know what it is about these. Big Monday night games, primetime games, but uh, Drew Brees rises to the occasion like no one I've ever seen. Uh, He's at his best in those moments. And I thought uh, my takeaway from the game, Larry, was less about the record than it was about his performance in setting the record. Uh, 29 of 30, he sets another record, the highest completion percentage in a game in the history of the NFL and it comes on the heels of an epic five-touchdown performance against the 49ers. So now we have back-to-back games where he has looked like the Drew Brees of old, the Drew Brees of his late 20s. And that has to be encouraging to everyone on that Saints team, all Saints fans, is that he somehow seems to be getting better. I don't know how this is, but, I mean, here we are. We wake up on Tuesday morning week, getting ready to enter week 16, and he's leading the NFL in passer rating. He's leading the NFL in completion percentage. And he's a month away from turning 41 years old. It's it's just remarkable. And Jeff, I, I know we were kind of trying to decipher where the incomplete pass was. And you were questioning yourself in the locker room last night. But you were correct. It was Latavius Murray. You were spot on with that. <laughs> so you keep, don't doubt yourself, my friend. Well, they You're had good. it wrong in and the, it was, on the NFL GSIS. They said it was Thomas. So oh. I was like, I don't remember that being... Mike Thomas, anyway. No, Mike Thomas never drops a pass or has an incompletion. Duh. So you got to just assume uh, it was it was like uh, Will Clapp or somebody he tried to throw the ball to as a, the sixth offensive lineman. But, Jeff, I'm with you in that. Uh, look, they break the record, and it's subdued. And even though people are celebrating, and Drew Brees is recognizing it, of course, and it's an incredible achievement, uh, history-making achievement, obviously. But I, I lean toward you, the fact that, Drew Brees seems like, and this is so crazy to say, that the injury was a blessing in disguise because he doesn't have the wear and tear. Like I'll even point to specifically some of the aging quarterbacks in the NFL, talking Tom Brady, uh, I'd say Aaron Rodgers, uh, and we're talking aging quarterbacks going into the playoffs. I'm not going to include Phillip Rivers because uh, he just looks like he's uh, on his way out. But still... The fact that he was able to sit and not take the pounding and this, that, and the other, he just seems fresh, even though he's got the little wrap on his thumb. He just seems fresh. And, uh, you know, it's not the bullets down the field where all people always question his arm strength, blah, 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 blah. If he's completing 29 of 30 passes, 307 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, I don't want to hear a damn person complain at all, period. Zero. I'm I'm done with that. Get out of get out of my life. Yeah, you're basically um, writing the column I wrote this morning. Uh, you know that that was exactly what I wrote about. Is maybe this performance on the heels of the 49ers game will end that silly speculation and conjecture once and for all. I don't, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure he's going to have another game where he throws one long ball that's a little short of his target, and and social media will be lit up with. People talking about his noodle arm, and uh, it's just silly. And um, I actually think he's getting better. I mean, the numbers reflect it. He's playing better than ever. His statistics are more efficient than ever. And the key thing is the Saints are winning 
as well as they ever have. They're now two games uh, away from potentially having another 13-3 and season and potentially getting the number one seed in the NFC. And as Drew Brees keeps saying over and over, they want to be an ascending team when they get to the playoffs. And if they can get some of these key pieces back that have kind of fallen by the wayside here in the last couple of weeks with the injury bug, uh, they're going to be a very scary team because the offense looks to me like it's finally starting to fire on all cylinders. Well, and just a big part of that, obviously, Mike Thomas. Look, he's record-setting pace. He's leaps and bounds ahead of even just this year. Uh, the number two guy in receptions, DeAndre Hopkins, leaps and bounds ahead of Chris Godwin from Tampa in yardage. And I still ponder it. And, of course, on Monday Night Football, it's more highlighted just how this guy can stay open and then contested catches, no problem. And it's it's something to watch when you've got Drew Brees throwing the Mike Thomas. But, look, Jared Cook came back from the concussion. Certainly a big plus there. And he has gotten, you could tell just in his body language and the way he's able to catch the ball, hold on to the ball. Uh, and, Jeb, you and me both kind of cringed when he took a shot. Almost four guys kind of went after him. And we're like, just stay away from his head. And uh, good for Jared Cook that he did not sustain another concussion. But I think you're starting to see that Cook and someone, of course, like Taysom Hill. Look, he has five touchdown receptions this year. Uh, that you're seeing compliments arise uh, for Mike Thomas, even with Kamara not being himself, I'd say, for basically this entire season. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, if they could get Kamara going – uh, they might just be uh, another Super Bowl championship team because uh, the defense, while it's got flaws and you and I have talked about it, uh, every team in the league has some kind of flaw. And I think the Saints have fewer flaws and fewer glaring flaws than just about anybody else. They're a complete team. I thought last night was their most complete performance. And if they can get Kamara going because we know how good he is, we know what kind of playmaker he is, and uh, at some point, I think it's going to click in. It just it just hasn't so far. I don't know if it's his injury or what. Uh, but the way Latavius Murray's running, complimenting uh, Mike Thomas and Traquan Smith's coming on a little bit and Jared Cook again. Uh, the offensive line should get healthier here in the next couple of weeks. We don't know about Larry Warford. Uh, it's just it's all signs are pointing up right now for the Saints. And they've got a short week this week. And they go on the road and play – uh, what could be a little bit of a dicey game, but we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the playoff uh, picture. Uh, but that game has a caveat to it that I think will be interesting and could play a role in how that game plays out. And I'm wondering, as we move forward, you mentioned Larry Warford, and that did not look uplifting, obviously. He really could not walk too well on that injured leg. And one play they put in Patrick Omame, and then they take him out and put Will Clapp in there, uh, and he, Will Clapp finished the game. And it's not like the Colts really put major pressure on Drew Brees. Uh, at times, he had to be flushed out of the pocket, but of course, that's Drew Brees. You expect that from him. And so I do think that that is something that we need to keep an eye on. Also, Teron Armstead, I think he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain. I mean, you don't recover from that by sitting out a week and then coming back. I mean, I think he's just kind of gripping and bearing it. And, uh, you know, Teron Armstead, 85% is better than almost every tackle in the NFL. So the fact that he's 
uh, playing on that uh, are all things we need to monitor. And uh, you, know, you look last night, uh, I'm not nitpicking, but look, they had average three and a half yards of carry. So that's something I'm sure they, they want to go after. But I do think that they knew that the Colts were susceptible through the air. And Drew Brees, let's be frank, they were looking for records. There's no doubt. So I think they just played to what was going on in that game, and it worked out perfectly, obviously. Well, Larry, you know, the Colts, they're not a great team by any means. That's their sixth loss in their last seven games. But they've been competitive in almost every game this season. I think there was one game they lost by double digits, and they were just waxed last night. I mean, they they were never in that game. It reminded me a lot of the Redskins Monday night game when Breeze broke Peyton's all-time yardage record. It was almost like they were just understudies or extras in the play. You know, they were just they you had to have another team out there to play the role of the Washington Generals, but they're not that bad and the Saints made them look very bad. They dominated them both both lines of scrimmage. Defense uh, really was never threatened. I thought the special teams played really well. Uh, this was a complete game. And even with all the players they had go down and, and some of the players they didn't even have in the lineup, they were missing a couple of defensive starters. You know, Von Bell missed the game. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson fills in and has a great game. And it's been the same story all season long. Uh, the, the coaching staff does a great job. The players obviously have their – uh, focus and attention to detail needed to step right in, and it's just kind of seamless. They don't really miss uh, any of the uh, injured players, and that's a good sign going forward because it looks like a lot of these injuries they have, other than the Davenport-Rankins injury, are are ones that should allow the players to return if they if they make a deep playoff run. Well, let's look look at the injuries on on the defense and what's going to be really underplayed following this game. But should not be is that the d- defense rebounding after uh, their worst performance of the year against the 49ers and nearly pitched a shutout, gave up the touchdown in garbage time. I mean, uh, Saquon Hampton's back there uh, filling in. And so, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, garbage time back there. But the fact that the defense was able to rebound – and I know the Colts were coming in thinking they were going to try to run the football. It's, and it's not like they, they got uh, – the Saints got ahead 21 to nothing in the first quarter. So they their plan was still to try to run the football, uh, and the Saints just gave them nothing. 17 rushes, 46, car- uh, 46 yards, 2.7 yards to carry. The longest run was 7 yards. So the Saints did a really good job of filling in there. And uh, yet, Jeff, you're right. I think going forward, the injuries will subside, I would say, because uh, you suspect someone like Kiko Alonso will come back. A.J. Klein did return for this game. Uh, But then you're wondering, all right, when's Von Bell going to come back? Uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson left with a concussion, and so he'll be in the protocol in a short week. Uh, will he be able to return? I think that's something the Saints are going to have to monitor going against someone who you know is fighting for their playoff lives, the Tennessee Titans coming up this week. But I do think that you got to give the defense a bunch of credit for really kind of rebounding and shaking off last week's performance and really giving the Colts nothing to play with either in the run game or the pass game. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point because 
it's easy to overlook what the defense uh, did when Breeze has, you know, steals the show, steals the spotlight. But the defense did not look good against the 49ers. Everyone was starting to wonder. And then these injuries crop up. And I thought they were lights out last night. I never felt like Indianapolis threatened them at all. Uh, they made Jacoby Brissett look really average at best. And they shut down the running game. And that, to me, that's what has to stay uh, consistent going forward. Uh, they're going to have their struggles against elite quarterbacks in the passing game. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, Eli Apple, P.J. Williams, uh, Marcus Williams, uh, they're, they're vulnerable. They just are against elite passing attacks. Uh, but if the Saints can consistently stop the run with that front seven and Cam Jordan and Malcolm Brown, Demario Davis, that group that got A.J. Klein back, that allows them, I think, to scheme up things on third down, getting the third and long, and Dennis Allen and his staff – I think do an excellent job of disguising and and just kind of X and O in their way uh, to getting off the field, and that to me is the recipe going forward. They they cannot afford to be giving up 120, 140 rushing yards a game uh, because then they're going to be on their heels in the play action passing game, and we see they're vulnerable to chunk plays. So uh, it was good to see the run defense come back strong. Look, next week will be the test. Well, in six days. Five days. Yeah. I, I can't even keep track. That would be the test. Derrick Henry. You know they're going to ground and pound with him. There's no doubt about it. And then once you hit the playoffs, uh, you're going to be running into some pretty potent uh, rushing attacks, whether it's a one-man band like a Dalvin Cook or a, a three-headed monster like the 49ers or Aaron Jones with Green Bay and uh, Chris Carson and Russell Wilson with Seattle potentially. So you can go on and on and – that part of the defense needs to stay strong. And uh, I'm curious to see how much they're able to use their rotation in and out. Uh, it seemed like they were rotating a lot last night. Uh, and uh, that certainly served the Saints well there. So, uh, look, next portion of our podcast, we'll be talking about uh, what's coming up next playoff-wise for the Saints. And, of course, Jeff mentioned uh, some of the cornerback play. The Saints certainly made an addition there with Janoris Jenkins, so we will jump about that. But first, talking about erectile dysfunction, look, it's not easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves or say, man, I lost my mojo or I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman... You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Again, the whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. So to get started, that's simple too. Get roman.com slash dh and complete an online visit. Just go to getroman.com slash dh, again, to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash dh for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash dh. So, Jeff, when you look at the Saints secondary, and it was very porous, against the 49ers, there's no doubt about it, and uh, uh, instead of writing about the game last night, I uh, 
wrote about the interesting acquisition that the Saints will completely make official today, claiming Janoris Jenkins, former Giants All-Pro corner, uh, claiming him off waivers. And I think this is an interesting scenario for the Saints, no doubt about it, uh, because it's not often at this point in the season where you see veterans who are proven guys just be let go. And I'm curious to see how the Saints move forward with this because certainly Jenkins comes with the baggage. I'm sure plenty enough people are familiar with uh, why he was released ultimately by the Giants uh, with an inappropriate comment geared toward a fan on Twitter. Didn't realize that it was that big of a deal. And I think the Giants were just ready to move on from him. I think that if they were in a playoff hunt, they probably would not have moved on from him, but I think they were ready to move on from him. So, Jeff, just your initial thoughts on Janoris Jenkins becoming a New Orleans Saint. Well, I think it's a pretty smart move by the Saints uh, at a position of need. I mean, it's hard to find good cornerbacks in this league, and Jenkins is a proven guy. He, he's a versatile player. He can play outside. He's also capable of playing inside. And I think it's just a, an insurance policy for the Saints going forward, uh, that's a position they they really aren't that deep at. Uh, once you get past the top three, Patrick Robinson last night was uh, inactive again. And so I think they're just uh, buying themselves another guy. I mean, a talented player uh, that uh, if all goes right, I mean, he could be he could be a guy that plays a lot of minutes. I don't even know if, I don't know if he'll start or not. I, I want to see how they view that. Uh, that would surprise me if he would. But I think he gives them now uh, four top cornerbacks in the rotation with Lattimore, Apple, uh, and uh, P.J. Williams. And if one of these guys does go down with an injury, uh, you've got some depth there at one of the game's most critical positions. Well, I also look at it as uh, sometimes these some things fall in your lap. And it was kind of a double uh, potential signing for the Saints uh, they did put in a claim for Terrell Suggs. Uh, they did not uh, get him. He went to Kansas City. Uh, the Saints were next on the, on the list. And I think if you look at each scenario, if the Saints would have picked up Terrell Suggs, I think he would have started right away. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case for Jenkins. Uh, would it surprise me if, say, two weeks from now, Janoris Jenkins starts? I don't think it would surprise me. All you got to do is go look at the recent numbers for Eli Apple, and I think it got the Saints nervous. And it was just, uh, if Janoris Jenkins wasn't around, they'd just have to ride it out with, with Eli Apple. But the fact that Jenkins became available, uh, I think the Saints weighed the risk-reward they know the baggage, and monetarily, it doesn't handcuff them at all. If they cut him, they cut him if he cuts up. Uh, but if he plays well, uh, then maybe they even think about keeping him for next year because his price tag is not, for a corner, is not that crazy. Uh, his base salary is a little above $10 million, and you could get him for one more year. But if you don't want him, you cut him and you have no dead money attached. So it is a low risk, high reward for the Saints. And Jeff, Janoris Jenkins is actually having a really good year. Four interceptions, 
14 pass breakups. That's top 10 for uh, in the NFL in both categories. So uh, I think the Gi- Giants were just done with him, and I think he was ready to just get out too. And uh, I'm curious. At least the Saints have options, and I think that's what the Saints are looking at. They have options if all of a sudden Eli Apple gets too shaky, they'll yank him and not think twice and put in Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think he uh, is a guy that's uh, – you know, he's been a starter his entire career, eight seasons. Uh, you just don't find those guys um, on the street as they did. And I think it, you're right. In the right place at the right time, uh, a, a, a program that is – maybe heading to another coaching change. They're playing out the string. Veterans like Jenkins don't make a lot of sense for them going forward. Uh, I'm actually surprised that other teams did not uh, go after Jenkins at this point because of all the things you talked about, his ability, the season he's having. Uh, But the Saints uh, probably can afford to take on a player like Jenkins that might have a little bit of baggage PR-wise because of how clean the slate is with everyone else on the team. They don't they don't have any issues the way the Patriots do with uh, Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown, all the things that have happened there. Uh, so I think the Saints felt like he was definitely worth the risk considering the potential reward. And I'm not trying to diminish what Janoris Jenkins did as far as calling a fan what he called them. Obviously, you can't do that. Obviously, that's... Uh, inappropriate terminology, but I don't want to sound in like totally. This is not insensitive. I'm just going to put it to you that way. There are a lot of NFL players who've done a heck of a lot worse that are in the league. I'm just going to put it to you that way. And I think that's the way the Saints view this. Uh, and do they know that sometimes Janoris Jenkins can be a little flighty? Yes, but. When Janoris Jenkins is in a situation like, say, in 2016 when he was an All-Pro, uh, you didn't hear a peep from him. And uh, the Saints are banking on Jenkins not being an issue because he's in a winning situation with a good defense, with players that he respects. And so they feel like the risk uh is not that big of a deal. It's almost like, and I put in my column, Jeff, you know how much Mickey Loomis plays poker. Uh, It's almost like he's just trying to steal a pot uh, because they're going all in on on the season. And so this might end up being one of those sneaky additions uh, that that could pay off in the end. Yeah, I really really think you nailed it as far as what the Saints are thinking on, on bringing him in. And I think the Saints' locker room culture, the leadership in that locker room, uh, and, and he's never really been a locker room problem, but if there was any doubt, I guarantee you the Saints did their due diligence, uh, not only with um, Eli Apple, who played with Jenkins, but also you know Mickey Loomis uh, knows Dave Gettleman really well, the general manager of the Giants, and I guarantee you he talked to him before they went and made a move on him, uh, and I'm sure he got a good report on him or he would not have taking a chance to bring in a guy that could upset the apple cart in this critical uh, part of their season. Uh, Well, if they went to Eli Apple, his cart might be upset because he might be like thinking, uh, this guy's going to take my job. I'm not going to stay with the Saints after this year. 
So appropriate that you put the old apple cart in there, Jeff, <laughs> uh, as far as that saying goes. But uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, where this thing goes. And uh, you look at the quarterbacks that they're going to be facing going forward. I think seeing what happened with Eli Apple in weeks 13 and 14 scared him. I mean, he, uh, as far as uh, on Sport Radar, a, a great stat site that we use here at The Athletic, in those two weeks, uh, Eli Apple was the most picked on corner in the league and gave up the second most burn yards in the league during that span. Had multiple penalties, defensive pass interference, leads the team in penalties again this year. I think they see him as a liability because of Marshawn Lattimore and say, look, this potential gift is falling from the New York sky and, and they've just got to take advantage. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that Eli Apple, I think, has lost some confidence during this stretch. He doesn't look like the same player that started the season. And he knows that he's a target. He knows that every opponent is coming after him. And it is a merciless league. And look, he, you can get away with Eli Apple against the Colts with a struggling passing attack and Jacoby Brissett. But when we get into the uh, December and January games uh, in the playoffs and you may be going against Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or even Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, there's going to be no margin for error. They're not going to have that luxury. And I think that's what this move was about. It's not about right now uh, going against the Titans or the Colts. It's it's about down the road uh, and where this team wants to end up. And obviously that's in Miami playing for another Super Bowl. All right, Jeff, let's go through some of the playoff scenarios here. Look, uh, I'm sure the Saints fans found themselves in quite the conundrum cheering for the Falcons to beat the 49ers, but it happened. Uh, it reminds me, Jeff, of, man, how does a bad team beat someone like the 49ers and the Saints? And it reminds me back when the Saints, they were a last-place team in the division and beat Tampa twice the year they won the Super Bowl. I don't think that's ever happened again where the last-place team has beaten the Super Bowl champ twice in a year. But uh, the Saints are an, at least in a little bit better playoff positioning because they won. I mean, the the formula is like they got to win out and then have some dominoes fall their way. But, Jeff, this coming week is going to be a huge scenario uh, with the playoff teams around them, right? Yeah, and I tell you, just to reduce it down to kind of the simplest uh, outlook, uh, if you're wondering who to root for and what needs to play out, Obviously, the Saints need to win out. They need to win both their last two games, uh, assuming everyone else doesn't also lose out. Uh, they need to win both games in Tennessee and obviously out Carolina, who might be playing a rookie quarterback. Will Greer is going to start this week for the Panthers. So I think that assignment gets even easier if you've got a rookie uh, starting only a second NFL game. And uh, then you have to root for Minnesota to beat the Packers on Monday Night Football next week, it's going to be a huge game in the NFC North. A lot on the line there. Obviously, the Packers could still lose their final game of the year. Uh, they play the Lions, but the Lions are kind of playing out the string. I think your best bet is to hope the Packers fall to the Vikings in Minneapolis. You and I have covered a lot of games there. That's a very difficult place to play. I like the Vikings in that game. And then you need to root for Seattle to win the NFC West. Uh, and that will come down most likely to week 17 where they play out at CenturyLink uh, Field in Seattle 
for all the marbles in the NFC West and potentially uh, the number one overall playoff seed in the NFC. That game's going to be huge. Uh, but here's the caveat I was talking about, um, Larry, as far as next weekend that, that could work in the Saints' favor. Uh, because Houston beat Tennessee last week in Nashville and they have a return game against the Titans in Houston in Week 17, uh, they have a game this weekend on Saturday in Tampa. And if Houston is able to beat Tampa uh, in Tampa on Saturday, they will clinch the AFC South before the Saints and Titans even kick off. So the Titans would know that they've been eliminated from uh, winning the AFC South. And they, the reason that would happen is uh, they would the Texans would have a one-game lead uh, on the Titans uh, going into the last week. And they, by virtue of their victory over them earlier this year, the, the best Tennessee could do would be to tie them overall and tie them in the division. And because Houston has a better division record, as we all know, that's the first tiebreaker in the playoffs uh, seeding. Houston would win the division. So Tennessee could still get in the playoffs, but they couldn't win the AFC South. So that might help, you know, in a way, because uh, Tennessee would be kind of playing for nothing there at that point. Well, if they're still going after the wild card, though, I mean, yeah. I would assume they're still in that hunt, right? So, yeah, maybe they can – They, uh, I, I might look at it the other way. They might be super desperate. So we'll see what happens there. And, you know, I, I don't think the Saints are going to rest in their laurels. I think they know that how important home field advantage is. Even though I've told a lot of people throughout this process and people are worried about, can the Saints get a one seed? Can they get a two seed? I think getting the bye is more important than necessarily home field advantage because I feel like the Saints can go anywhere and win. I mean, they won in Seattle this year with Teddy at quarterback. So playoffs, is that that a different animal? Sure. But they've won in Seattle already. I don't think at San Francisco is this daunting place. Now, I don't think you want to go play at Green Bay. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to do that, even the Green Bay Packers players, even though they can win there. Uh, who, who are we kidding? But uh, I, I just see the Saints going full speed ahead. And, and, Jeff, I would assume that that Carolina game in Week 17 will be flexed to the 3 o'clock hour because the NFL typically does that. If you're a team with things to games and, and playoff scenarios, they move you later – so other teams won't sit players and, you know, that sort of thing. So I would anticipate that happening uh, in the in the near future. Yeah, I agree. And um, that game could decide the number one seed in the NFC. I mean, there's a lot could be on the line there. And um, the, the 49ers can still lock up the number one seed. In a way, uh, that, that loss that the 49ers had to the Falcons really didn't affect them very much. Um, they still have everything in front of them. They get the Rams this week at home, and then they uh, and then they play uh, Seattle on the road. So if they can take care of business against the Rams, who looked awful against the Cowboys Sunday, uh, they go to Seattle knowing all they got to do is win that game against Seattle. I say, you know, all they have to do. I don't want to diminish how, how big a challenge that is, but they could win – not only the NFC West, but lock up the number one seed because then they would be tied with the Saints and would have the head-to-head tiebreaker by beating the Saints uh, a week ago in the Superdome. And, hey, who knows? Just I, I think at this point, just get in and 
we'll see what happens because Jeff, I feel like the NFC five of the six teams can beat anybody on any given day. And that's not just the old any given Sunday cliche. I think that outside of the NFC East winner, any of those teams can make it to the Super Bowl. I don't think there's a clear cut favorite at all. I don't care who has home field advantage. I think all te- all those teams have big time strengths and have some flaws. And so uh, it's far more wide open than, say, the AFC. And so get in and see what happens and, and really go from there. I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely landmines everywhere in the NFC. Yeah, it's, it's as competitive as we've ever seen it. And I really believe uh, the Saints are the front runners right now to win this thing. I mean, they are in Vegas. I know they're the favorites to win the NFC. But I really think it's going to come down to them and San Francisco. I think they're the two most complete teams. And uh, Green Bay, I'll be shocked if they win in Minnesota. I think Minnesota actually is a sleeper team to watch. I mean, they've won a lot of games in a row. Uh, I looked at their schedule the other day, Larry. They've won, I think, I may be wrong about this, I think six of their last seven wins have come by over double digits. I mean, they're they're really um, coming into their own. And the other thing that's a little bit of a hidden factor for the Vikings is they are the healthiest team in the league. I know Dalvin Cook got hurt the other day. But it's not significant. He's not going to be out for the rest of the season or anything. Uh, but if you look at the injured reserve list around the league, they have, I think, five players on injured reserve. Most teams are in double digits. So that's always a factor when you get in the postseason. Who's the healthiest? Who's got their frontline players available? And it's certainly right now the Vikings. Should be an interesting final two weeks. And, uh, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow won the Heisman, in case you missed it. He did? So I might as well throw that, that in there, right? Yeah, he it's been breaking a while, news. Right? I, I, it's been a while since it, it's, the LSU's had a Heisman winner, right? You know, two, three, sixty years, something like that. So yeah, uh, and but look, National Signing Day is Wednesday. Uh, I'm sure we'll discuss that. I'm actually going to head to Tulane on Wednesday, just uh, as a heads up, and kind of want to get a state of the program. I mean, six and six one year, and six and six another year is that the same? How are they looking at that? So I'm going to go check that out and. You know we're going to have plenty of Saints coverage and LSU coverage uh, all moving forward here on the Dunk and Holder podcast. So I want to thank Danielle, our producer here uh, on Dunk and Holder. And of course, again, uh, tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe. You can listen to us, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts on the early week podcast. And of course, our Thursday pods are always behind the Athletics paywall. So jump in and subscribe to that. Give it as a gift. Do it all. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here. And we'll be back on Thursday for another edition of the Duncan Holder podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.